0: Last week we spoke on the topic the Saviour sent to save. The Saviour sent to save. We're only going to read a few verses. Uh, It'll be a lesser reading this week for what we want to show you this morning. Matthew chapter 1. And let's just read from verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angels of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. We also now flick over to the gospel of Luke Mark chapter, Mark Matthew chapter one. And we'll be referring to it. Now go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 31, please. Luke 1, 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's just by and a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, on this cold morning, at this holiday season. You've brought people out under the sound of your word again. Lord, would you minister through your spirit and your word to each and every one of us? We thank of the Martin family and their loss. We thank of them, Lord, and their bereavement. And others, Lord, we think of, Lord, those who have recently lost loved ones. We think of Laverne and Richardson and her family. And we pray, Lord, for those, Lord, who have lost loved ones very close in the last lot of months. In the last times, we think of the Steeles and the Bordesses. And, Lord, we could go on. We think of, of the Cummins family. And, Lord, we just ask you, Lord, that you would minister to each and every single one of them. Lord, bless us today for being in your presence. Lord, as we are settled in our hearts and our minds, we pray, Lord, to speak to each and every one of us. We need you. We want you. We love you. We desire you. And Lord, we ask that you would now open your word to us and open our eyes and our hearts and our minds that we might be able to understand your own precious word. Bless those who can't be with us today. Bless those that are watching live on Facebook or YouTube, live or even later, Lord. We pray that you would minister unto each family. And Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in our land and in our nation and in the world. To that end, we leave all things in your care and keeping. Now touch my lips, as it were, with the live coal from off the altar, that I may speak well of thee to glorify your Son the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, the Savior sent to save. This is part two, obviously. And we looked at, and we're not going to do a big recap, but we looked at the three steps to marriage. And, you know, Mary is termed and is likened as Joseph's wife, yet she hasn't been with him. And we looked at that last week. First of all, the parents... Of young people would have made an engagement. So a son and a daughter would have been, as it were, engaged. And then when they got older, if the, the young girl especially decided, I don't want to marry this man, she had the opting out option. So she could opt out at this point at, when she is at a marriageable age. And if she said she did want to marry, then The the man and the woman, they were both joined together in the sense they were classed as man and wife in society. But they didn't have the rights to man and wife for one year. So for one year, she was called wife and he was called the husband. But they had no rights for one year. After that year, then there would be the marriage proper. They would be married And we looked at that at how we are in that state with the Lord Jesus Christ. That when he comes again, we're going to be in the marriage proper, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So now we can't really go through too much of that. So we looked at that. We looked at this word, how Mary was espoused to Joseph. And if you remember, this word espousal was where they were. Uh, joined together, as it were, just as husband and wife, but they had not come together yet as husband and wife. And that was the espousal year. This is where Mary and Joseph were at this time. So when you read, people say, well, she was his wife. So they must have come together, and they try to deny the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they try to deny that, not only atheists would try to deny it, but some religions and some denominations would try to deny that because they must have come together, because she was his wife. But I showed you that last week, that Mary was a a virgin girl, that Mary did not know a man. Mary was called the wife, but had not come into the marriage proper to consummate the marriage as a wife. So that was the three things we looked at last week. We looked at how Mary was a woman, who was a virgin, and and that the idea of it was this woman, this girl, this virgin meant that she was marriageable, if you remember that. And we looked at how our lifestyle is today. Are we marriageable? In other words, are we marriage material? We looked at it last week. We don't want to go through too much of that again. Then we looked at some numbers. Number 14, remember that? And I'm not going to do it all over again, we looked at the numbers, 14 names in the generation of Matthew 1, 14 names again, and then another 14 names, bringing us from the Lord Jesus Christ right through to Abraham, 14, 14, and 14, 14 was the number of blessing, double blessing, 7 is the number of completion, 14, 14, and 14, Six sevens. Six is the number of man. So the perfect and complete man from Abraham, 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations, the perfect man was born, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in his genealogy. We're also going to look this morning at how, and we're going to look at it a little more in depth, at how the Lord Jesus was from the tribe of Judah, because there are some people who will tell you that he wasn't that he wasn't uh, from Judah whatsoever. There's no evidence to say that he was from Judah. And especially in Jewish circles, they'll say, no, he wasn't from Judah, so he can't be the king. He can't be the Messiah. So we're going to look at this for a few moments this morning. If you note in Matthew chapter 2, please. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah art not least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee, out of the land of Judah, will come, notice, out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. The kingship was coming from Bethlehem where Christ was born, if you remember. So here we have the scriptures starting to speak of him as governor. He is the kingship coming. And Matthew's gospel is taking this from the book of Micah. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 says these words, but Micah doesn't stop there in the verse. He also says of him whose goings forth have been from of old to everlasting. So Jesus wasn't just born in Bethlehem and that's when his life started. But rather Jesus was an eternity. And we'll look at it, God willing, in a moment. So let's look just for a a few moments the lineage of Jesus through Joseph and how people argue between uh, Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. They try to denounce Christ's lineage, saying that Joseph wasn't his real father. So then, since Joseph wasn't his real father, Jesus could not be from Judah. Look at Matthew, please. And go to Matthew's gospel chapter one. We can't read all of this, but look at verse six. Matthew one and verse six. It says, And Jesse begot David the king, and David the King begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias or Uriah. Notice King David And then we have Solomon. This is the line that comes. Remember, remember he's going to come and sit on the throne of David, according to the angel in Luke's gospel. We read it at at our opening scripture. Notice King David and then Solomon. And the line comes down there. Let your eye run down to verse 16, please. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now notice, of whom was born Jesus? Jesus was born of Mary, not Joseph. That's not what it means. So we have King David, Solomon, and it brings it right down through to Joseph's line. But if Joseph isn't the father, the paternal seed, then Jesus can't be claimed to be of Judah, say some. Go with me again then to Luke's Gospel. Go with me again to Luke's Gospel. Chapter 3 this time, please. Let your eye run down to verse 31. Verse 31. Luke 3, verse 31. Notice this, which was the son of Meleah, which was the son of Benan, which was the son of Matha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. Notice the difference here. Matthew 1, David to Solomon and down. Now we have, in Luke chapter 3, we have from David, Nathan and down. So this is a different son of David. He had more than Solomon as sons. In fact, he had about 10, if my memory serves me right, but here the son Nathan is a different genealogy. And he's from David who is from the tribe of Judah. So notice the two lineages. So what happens is some people say that Luke's gospel is given the lineage of Mary. And others argue no it isn't. And Jesus has to come from the tribe of Judah. But there's no real evidence of it. So we're going to look at this for a moment. Look at, go to Luke chapter 3. And let your eye run down, please, to verse 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. Notice uh, being as was supposed. Notice that being as was supposed the son of Joseph. In other words, he wasn't. Whose son is he then? Verse 22 tells us the verse before it. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So here he is, the Son of God. So now when we go to his lineage in verse 23, as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, there is a different lineage again. From Matthew 1, suppose son of Joseph, and now he's, Joseph is the son of Heli. Now, let me just try and clear some of this up for you very, very quickly. The son of Heli, if you look at it in your King James Bible, was the son. Is in italics. It means it's not in the original text, but it's there for our English rendering and our English language. And so what many scholars say is this should be Joseph was the son-in-law of Heli. He's actually the son-in-law, which means if he's the son-in-law and he's to be married and then later is married to Mary, they say this is Mary's lineage from whence comes the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I hope everyone's with me there. But nevertheless, let's sing... There's another question mark over that and it's not clear enough for us. Then let us look at Scripture then from other people. Turn with me, please, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 7. To Hebrews chapter 7. We're just going to lift out a verse and we're going to dissect it for a few moments and I hope you can... Uh, get a better grip, especially on this verse. It's a real blessing. Hebrews chapter 7. This is about the Melchizedek priesthood of Christ. But we're not going to look at that today. Let's run down to verse 14. Verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. It's evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Remember, what we are doing today is that he is the saviour that was sent. So our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which the tribe of Moses spake not nothing concerning the priesthood. The priesthood was from the tribe of Levi, so what he's saying is, Jesus came from Judah, the house of Judah, the line of Judah, the tribe of Judah. Now notice here, for it is evident. Would you say evident? Would you say it loud? I want you to get, it's very important, we're going to break this word right down to ground level and then build it up for you again. I want you to see the import of this, that you can say, my Lord is from the tribe of Judah. Now notice this. Evident here is a word, uh, pradelos, Pradelos. And we're going to break this down for you a it means So the prodelos is, you have pro and then delos. Pro and then delos. Now note this, pro means something above or before. So we, uh, pro means something before us, something above us. Pro also means an order of importance, something with an order of importance. So predelos is what we're looking at, okay? And the word pro means an order of importance. Will you turn with me to 1 Peter 4 and verse 8? We're going to do a bit more of a Bible study than a preach this morning. We'll maybe see how we get on. I know it's cold this morning. It's hard to keep this place heated just the way it is. So try and bear with me if you can. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. Listen to what Peter says. Remember, we're trying to build the case here for this word. Jesus was evident that he came from Judah. So we're just going to build this word and show you the strength of it. 1 Peter 4 and 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Now please don't get this wrong in thinking that if you love somebody enough, you allow them to live in a sin. And that covers it. That's not what it's saying. We're going to look at it in a moment. So the word here, pro, means Above. It's the same word, above all things. Or what is, uh, in order of importance, love or have charity. The word charity, of course, is love. It's the word agape. It's that love which uh, goes that bit further. It's that love that reaches out. It's the love which was Calvary's love where Christ died on the cross. Agape love is a love which is called out of one's heart according to the object that is loved. A love called out of one's heart according to the preciousness of the object that is loved. Pardon me. So whatever's precious in your life, whatever's precious in my life, whatever's precious, it calls the love out of your heart. Whatever's precious, it calls the love out of your heart. If the world is precious to you, it'll call the love out of your heart. Love not the world, it's agape. It is, don't let the world be precious to you. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. So if you're loving the world and the things in the world, if they have your heart, if that's your treasure, there will your heart be also. And so it will be precious to you. It calls that love out of your heart. For if any man or woman love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Not your Father won't love you, But rather, your love for the Father isn't in you. But you rather love other things instead of Him. So this word here for uh, charity is love, agape. So let's look at it. Above all. Above all things, have fervent charity. Have fervent love among yourselves. For charity or this love shall conquer or cover Pardon me, a multitude of sins. Notice, he's putting love in the church in an order of importance. Peter is putting love in the church above. Pro is the word, as in prodelis. Now notice this. Love is a prerequisite to all proper exercises of Christian duty and faith. That's what I've wrote. And how is love a prerequisite of all of our Christian duties and faith? Well, for example, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and we have listed the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Which one is first? Love. Which one is written first? Love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. So, love has the the preeminent powers over your life, in your heart, prerequisite in our Christian life and duty. And this is the idea, and also in the spiritual gifts. If we don't have love, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, read the whole chapter when you have time. But verses 1 and 2, listen to what the Apostle says. For though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... You may be someone who speaks in tongues or ministers in tongues or in one of the spiritual gifts. For though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or have not love. This isn't a wishy-washy love. This is a love that took Christ to Calvary. Glenn spoke about it around the table. This is the love that, that deals with the sin and helps people through And does all of those things because you love them with the love of Christ. But notice this. And have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, if someone is all hyper-spiritual or someone comes along with all the spiritual gifts and they're ministering in tongues and they're prophesying and they haven't got a spirit of love, it's like me getting a pot and banging it with a spoon means nothing, sounds horrible. That's what Paul's telling us. Notice what he says in verse 2, 1 Corinthians 13. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains and have not charity or have not love, he says, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. So this word here, love, above all, Peter says, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. The word fervent, the word fervent in Peter's uh, letter here, First Peter 4 and 8, it's the word actinus, and it means to stretch out. Ready? To stretch out. To reach out. Stay with me while I show you something to do with this word. Notice, this word is really only used in the tense like this in Acts chapter 12 and in verse 5. Do you remember when Peter was arrested and they were all praying in the house? It says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. See the words here for without ceasing. It means from within the believers got together and their prayers reached out to heaven. You know I know there's some, please don't get me wrong, I know there's people that have a simplistic prayer. Nothing wrong with that. That's probably the best. But sometimes there's a, a repetitive prayer. Sometimes there's a do you ever do the prayer list? God bless, I do just do that, Lord. And God bless, oh, I not I'm not I'm not, 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 not. Over and over and over again. It's like, it's repetitive. But do you ever get when you enter that place of prayer and from within, deep call upon the deep? You're reaching out in prayer and touching, as it were, heaven. The saints got together and they were reaching out. The word here, actanis, is the word, it means, ach means out, from within to without. So if I said to you today, so Dirk and Claire, since you've come probably the farthest today, okay, away from Oma, and I says, are you coming to church in the morning? And you said, yes, we'll be there. And say you come and you park the car and you come to the doors. And you get to the doors and you stop, even you look in maybe, and you turn and you walk away again. In the Greek text, tense, that would be a word, apo, apo. It means from the edge off to walk away. And I would say, I thought you were coming to church, I Said, but well, we did Here. But because you would say yes, and you came in, parked your car, came in the doors, you took your seat, you entered in to all that's happening in the meeting today, yeah, and you could say, I could say to you, oh, you were at church this morning, you would say, yes, I was, I'd say I'd be there. And so that's the word, ak You came to, but right into, and you left from within to without. You see the difference? You left from within to without. That's the word, ak. And it's the word here, ectenius. So the idea here is, from within to without, they stretched themselves. They stretched themselves in prayer. They really, truly believed from the heart that they were reaching, touching God's throne of grace. So here is what Peter is saying in In 1 Peter 4 and verse 8, above all things, have fervent charity. It means continuous love, reaching out. When one, brother, sister, when one truly loves, he and she will not publish the other's feelings but rather reach out to them to cover, to help them walk right. And that's the word of God. When you see a brother or sister feeling, don't be running around telling on them. Go to them and help them. Reach out. Fervent love. Help them. Reach out to them and help them. Gossip is eliminated, you ready? When we love gossip is eliminated. You know how you know someone loves the Lord when they don't destroy someone else every time you see them? When they keep his commandments, obviously, but it's a fruit. Of the Spirit is love. Paul says, if I don't have love, I've no real gifts to talk about. So, now we go back to Hebrews 7 and verse 14. I have broken the word down to show you something here. Hebrews 7 and verse 14. For it is evident. Remember that word evident where we started with? Would you say evident again? Would you say it loud? For it is evident. There's no doubting here of the Hebrew writer. It is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. So the word here, evident, pride, loss. here's what it is saying in a nutshell that our Lord sprang out. It's evident. In other words, it's manifest. He came from within the bosom of the Father, as it were. And he sprang out through a virgin's womb. And we know fine rightly. That's what he's saying. That's what Peter's saying. It's evident. For example, See in Matthew 26 and 73, you don't need to turn to it. Write it down if you're taking notes. Listen, do you remember Jesus, Jesus was arrested and being tried? And when he, this uh, young woman comes and says to Peter, you were with them and, with him in the garden, and Peter denies him. Well, Matthew 26, 73, she says, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Thy speech bereath thee. The word bereath is delos. Pro Delos, pro we looked at Delos. Thy speech thee. The word Delos means it's clear, it's evident, it's manifest, and it's certain. You know what she's saying? Your accent. You ready? Your accent manifests where you're from. I seen Julie Wells coming in there. Sorry, Julie, where are you? Where are you, Julie? Well over there somewhere. Judy Wills is from Balamuni. And when I talk to her on the phone, she'll be talking with that Balamuni accent. And you can hear it so differently. Her speech, Bereath, where she's from, in other words, it's day loss. it's certain we know the accent, it's certain it's manifest where she's from. So what this young woman was saying, surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech manifests where you're from. Now listen to the Barclay, what he says about the Galileans. The Galileans spoke with a burr. So ugly was their accent that no Galilean was allowed to pronounce the benediction at any synagogue service. They were rough on course or curse, as we would say. And their accent was just down to ground zero. Just like my own, I'm a Belfast man. In fact, my accent used to be stronger. I just refined it more through the years through preaching because people couldn't understand me in other places. I used to tell you to say my mouth like that, oh, you know? And it, it's the, the word here, Dados, it was certain where you're from. It's certain to it give Peter away. His accent was, a, he was a big fisherman, but he was a coarse big man. For example, Galatians 3 and 11. It says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. For it is evident, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther reading this, Martin Luther studying this, Martin Luther saw this. And what? No man can be justified by the law. In other words, if we were to try and keep the law for salvation, we would fail every single moment of the day. And so Martin Luther seen all of this, and he realized the Scripture says the just or the justified, the righteous, those who are to be righteous, he says, they are the just who will live by faith. So it's a, a, a we we are saved by grace through faith, and not not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. And so what? We're told here in Galatians chapter 3 and 11, you can't be justified by the the law in the sight of God. Note, for it is evident. It is evident. It's manifest. It's certain. It's clear. The just must live by faith. We must believe what Christ has done, what Jesus accomplished by his finished work on the tree at Calvary, is hell, we must by faith believe in him and his work alone. And faith means that he paid the debt of our sins. Faith is that he bore our burden. Faith is that he kept this law that we couldn't keep. And he lived the life that we couldn't live. And he died in our room instead as our great substitute, burying our sins away in his own body on the tree. And he shed his blood that we might be saved. And forgiven and cleansed. It's evident. And people are working and laboring away. Thinking they're going to merit salvation. Jesus plus works. Friends, it's Jesus and his work alone. Christ and Christ alone. This is the same word here, delos. It's evident. Martin Luther let hold on this. And the Protestant Reformation came into more fullness at this time. So, Hebrews 7 and 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. I think we've cleared up the word evident, haven't we? Above all, he sprang out of Judah. Before all, he sprang out of Judah. In order of importance, it's to know he sprang out of Judah. So when we look at this, for it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, the word sprang is the word anatello. This word is used when the sun comes up in the morning or when the stars appear in the night sky or the moon. Or I can talk of you could, we don't get it much here as you know, but you, you could get a clear day and there's not a cloud in the sky and the next day clouds have appeared as though they have just appeared in the sky. This is the idea of this word, anatello. Sprang up. For it is evident that our Lord sprang up and he's caused a rise. He came out of Judah. Notice the word Lord is curious. And here it's used speaking of the Almighty God. Here it's used speaking of the Messiah. The Messiah, the word of the Father in glory, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here deity comes through the matrix of the virgin's womb. And she holds a, a little baby in her arms. Manifest Son of God. Brothers and sisters, don't let anyone tell you that Mary wasn't a virgin, she was married. And don't let anyone tell you that our Lord did not come out of the tribe of Judah. Listen. John proclaims him. Heaven proclaims him as coming out of Judah. Revelation 5 and 5. I'll tell you what, I'm going to stop here. and I'll do part three in the Lord's will next week. I want to look at him coming from eternity into humanity. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. What's the language of heaven? Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Notice hath prevailed. Now heaven looks at a lion. I mentioned this a few weeks at the drive-in. But when John looks, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed, John looks for the lion, and what does he see? He sees a lamb standing as it had been slain. Notice, bearing the marks of its sacrifice as it had been slain. Here John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is told... Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. He sees a lamb and who is that lamb and that lion? The one in the self see him from Judah. Heaven knows he's from Judah. John says he's from Judah. Peter says he's from Judah. Paul says he's from Judah. What, we could go, this is only the New Testament we're touching on. Heaven says, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he looks and he sees a lamb instead of a lion. And that's what we must see first. Christ the Lamb. Dying on the cross. The Savior sent the save. Dying on the cross for you and I. You know the only thing that's man-made in heaven today? The only thing that is man-made in heaven today are the marks from the body of Christ. That's all. God willing next week going to look at him coming Old Testament prophecy of him being born from the virgin. Of him coming through the matrix of the virgin's womb. And of him being said that he is almighty God filled in flesh. What a mighty God we serve. God bless us all. See you God willing. The Lord sparing us all next Lord's day morning, 10:30. And then we're going to do the drive-in God willing next Sunday night too. Amen.